Today we continue our sermon series with, and we have focused on all the different ways and in all the different situations that God is with us. We have studied 2 Samuel and learned that 1 and 2 Samuel were actually intended to be one book of the Bible and that they give us a spectacular look at what's going on in life and times even right now. The book of Samuel is a book that teaches us about power, what to do when power is used well, what to do when power is abused, and how God is with us in the midst of it all. Last week, we talked about the choices that we make and the responsibility that we have to make God-led choices. For when we don't make God-led choices, we end up in a situation like King David is in now where we pick up today. You'll remember that King David has been our hero. He has saved the Israelites from certain destruction. He did it not with the armor of the army, but with a slingshot and a rock. The boy David was the eighth born, the last of the boys. He was supposed to be really nothing at all. But King David has become one of the greatest kings in Israelite history. And we even talk about our Savior Jesus as the son of David. Well, we learn that even in all of David's wonderfulness, that he is indeed human. And unfortunately, we learn that David also has some moral failings built into him. He likes things his way, Rosa. He likes things to be the way he wants them to be, Wayne. And he will do whatever he needs to do to make sure that things are going his way. Last week, we learned that David kidnapped Bathsheba raped her and made her pregnant and then murdered her husband, one of Israel's greatest warriors. It's hard to understand that the one after God's own heart, the great king could do such a thing that he could in some way have become this power-hungry monster that has to have his way. He had a choice to make. Do the right thing, leave Bathsheba alone. Or do what he wanted to do. And he did not choose God's way. So today we talk about the consequences that happen when we don't choose God's way. We pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11 in the 
6 verse. Now, remember 2 Samuel's in the Old Testament. It's near the front of your Bible. And if you'll just turn to the front and then sort of a little bit to the front of the middle of the front, you'll be there. Or you can find it in your electronic devices or on the screen. But 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning with the 26th verse, reads like this in the New International Version. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to this house, to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. The Lord sent Nathan to David, where he came to him. He said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it. And it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord said, the God of Israel The Lord said, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. 
This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down. Here we are to say that you are indeed our worthy and our holy God. So fall fresh on us. Break open your word, O oh God, and let it speak to our hearts and our minds and our souls so that we might be more like you, O oh God. Take this, your servant, and hide her behind that old rugged cross so that everything that is said and everything that is heard comes straight from you, O oh God. This is your servant's prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. In science class, Anthony, we learned about Mr. Isaac Newton and his three laws of motion. I can't remember what grade that was, but those three laws of motion have never left my brain. Especially the third law of motion that says every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Hmm, what does that mean? It means that every time something moves, something has to stop. Or every time we make a choice, there is a consequence. We have in our English language these days made consequence to always mean a negative thing. But the connotation of consequence is actually very neutral. There can be good consequences and there can be bad consequences. Good choices bring good consequences. Bad choices bring difficult consequences. When we encounter David today, we learn that David is having to come to grips with the choice that he made to take Bathsheba. You'll remember that Bathsheba was taking a bath in her own house on her own rooftop, engaged in a spiritual cleansing, and David was not where he was supposed to be. And he saw Bathsheba. And he decided that he had to have her. 
It didn't matter that he already had all the things that God had given him. It didn't matter that he already had all the power. It didn't matter that he already had all the wealth. It didn't matter that he already had all of these wives and all of these children whom God gave him from Saul, the predecessor king. It didn't matter that when the Israelite army showed up, people were so scared of them, they just surrendered, and that David didn't even have to go fight anymore. It didn't matter that God had anointed David. That he had anointed and appointed him for such a time as this. It wasn't quite enough. For David. Have you ever been in that situation? (laughs) I mean, get, get really honest with yourself. That's why we come into the house of the Lord to get naked in the presence of God, to reveal what is in us that is not of God, and to work on it so that we become more and more like Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation when you had everything you needed, but it wasn't enough? We have billionaires who could wipe off hunger from the face of the planet, but it's not enough. We have legislators that can make decisions that give us a better quality of life, but maybe they won't reelect me if I do that. It's not enough. And we ourselves, it's the American way to hoard. We hoard in the grocery store. We hoard in Target and Walmart. We hoard in the church. We throw out more food than children have access to in other places of the world, but it's not enough. What is your not enough? David had to have Bathsheba, and so he sent his messengers to take her, to bring him to him, and Bathsheba got pregnant, and David killed Uriah because he wouldn't cover it up. The original translation of verse 27 says, The thing that David had done was evil in the sight of Yahweh. The man after God's own heart, the boy king, the crowned savior of the Israelite people.
even he did evil in the sight of God. The scripture today moves us in three ways. The first section is a remembrance of the choice that David made, that he made a choice to do evil. And then the prophet Nathan comes in and Nathan begins to tell him a story. He says there was a man who had everything he needed and more. And then there was a man who had barely what he needed. And the man who had everything he needed and more, he took from the man who had barely what he needed. And David got angry. I mean, righteous angry. The text says he burned with anger. It burned him up inside. He was irate. I am the king. I am going to do something about this injustice. This man must die. And then the prophet Nathan says, plot twist. You are the man. And then God begins to show David himself. It's like he puts up a mirror to David and he begins to remind David all the things that God has done. He says, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you Saul's house. I gave you Saul's wives. I gave you Israel and Judah. And if it had been too little... If it had not been enough, I would have given you more. So why? Why, David? Why would you go and take what is not yours? Why would you go and take what, what, what the only wife that Uriah had? Why would you go and take the only husband that Bathsheba had? Why? You have everything and more. Why must you have the rest? David begins to come into a consciousness, a realization that what he has done might just end his reign as king. And maybe even worse than that, it might just end his life. And he begins to understand the consequences for his actions. We begin to move from choice to consequence. And he realizes that God is going to punish him. And God begins to tell him that things in your family are going to get a little rough. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Your children are not going to get along. You are not going to get the glory for the things that you think you ought to get the glory for. David, there will be consequences because you did not follow my plan. 
And what you did in the dark, what you did in secret, I'm going to parade it around so that everybody knows about it. How embarrassing that we might make a choice that God then says, let me wave your dirty laundry in front of everybody as a consequence to your actions. I want to show them who you really are. Choice. Consequence. We only get to the consequence because Nathan speaks truth to power. Technically, Nathan the prophet should have been shaking in his boots to speak to David in that way. He should have been so scared because David could have said, off with your head. But what we learn today is that everybody needs prophetic friends. Everybody needs someone in their life who can tell them the truth. Everybody needs someone who can tell them something they don't want to hear. Everybody needs someone who can speak truth to power. But Nathan doesn't just walk up to David and say, hey, the Lord is going to punish you because you made a bad choice. Nathan has a pre-existing relationship with David. Nathan tells the truth in a way that David can hear it and receive it. And Nathan reminds David... That God is with us even when we have to suffer the consequences for our actions. I wonder what would happen in our world if we held people accountable for the choices that they make. I wonder what would happen in our world when we pull people to the side that we have a pre-existing relationship with and say, you know, that decision you make, probably God might have something to say about that. I wonder what would happen in our lives if we surrounded decision makers and power brokers with people who could tell them the truth in a way that they could hear it or see it. I wonder what would happen if we could remember that God is with us even when our dirty language, our dirty laundry is out for everybody to see. David moved from choice to consequence to repentance. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I have sinned against you, Lord. And then he wrote an entire psalm about it. Psalm 51 says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. 
According to your mercy, blot out my transgressions. And, and then it goes on to say, create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, O God, but restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Here's the best news of all. Because of David, we have Jesus. Because of God, we have David. Because of David, we have Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. Whatever choice you make can be forgiven. Whatever consequence that we have to suffer can be sustained. And when we have to put on our big girl pants and say, I'm sorry, we can weather that storm. Because God will come back and say, you know you made a bad choice. I'm angry and you have to deal with the consequences of your actions. And I am with you. And I love you. Newton said that for every action, there's an equal or opposite reaction. And the world would say that for making a bad decision, the last word is the consequence. But the good news is that God says that the last word of a bad choice is redemption and forgiveness and love. That God will indeed create a clean heart in us. Set our broken spirits right. And tell God's story about us. It always blows my mind that when we talk about David in church, we talk about the king after God's own heart. We don't talk about the terrible things that David did. We don't talk about the bad choices that David made. That's not the end of his story, and it's not the rest of the story. The end of the story and the rest of the story is that God is with us in it all. We always have the chance. We always have the opportunity to say, I'm sorry, and begin again.